Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the European Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. Tom Jacobs, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I feel uh, awfully sorry for you right now. Um, I've just, just said on my podcast that you're probably going to go to a local care home and punch an old person because you've now been beat by the combined age of 98 years old. Uh, first off, Richard Bland, and then slightly more, I guess, acceptable is Phil Mickelson in terms of the fact that he's a $90 million winner and, you know, a legend of the game. When Dick Bland beats Guido, it's not so, it's not so, it's not so easy to take. Man, my two favorite golfers in the world. I mean, I'd be on cloud nine. Guido Brooks, back-to-back weeks, U.S. Open coming up. Both of them are going to go one, two there, but the exacta, you know, it was too perfect and just the heart ripped out. And the thing is, they did it to themselves at the end of the day. Phil played excellent all week, but there's no reason that Guido shouldn't have beat Richard Bland. And there's no reason that Brooks, had he brought any sort of a putter over the weekend, not beat Phil Mickelson. So they did it to themselves. And I mean, I guess in a sense, it's a little bit more painful because it was right there in the grasp. Um, So, yeah, but I mean, I let my emotions get to me a little bit. I, I did enjoy watching Phil yesterday i mean it was magic you know him that scene on 18 just pandemonium it's one of those things that you'll never forget and it's just why golf is just such a fascinating sport and any like a 275 to one long shot you know setting you know the the world back two decades to to what he did It, it was just an incredible experience to watch I think we've been incredibly lucky i'm saying this about major winners in recent years you know you've had tiger at the masters You've had Hideki come and do something that, you know, may not mean so much to me and you, but for what it meant in terms of his country, absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get Phil Mickelson come and do something so romantic. And you look at the times when uh, Tom Watson or Greg Norman could have won an Open, and, and those things are now happening. You know, okay, Tiger's not up at those ages, Mickelson is, but but Tiger was broken and then comes back. And I said it I said it in a tweet, Tiger will probably go and win the Masters at 51 now just to not let Mickelson get the edge. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when you actually look at it and I look back at Mickelson's form this year, there was enough, there was enough to kind of suggest he could do it. Like if, if you really thought that the PGA championship was going to get as tough as it did, and you didn't think it's going to be dominated by long drivers, even though he hits bombs, you know, um, it, there was stuff, there was stuff there. There was plenty there. Um, I couldn't see it myself. I said on said you know on wednesday night he was like 600 to one on betfair exchange you know that's quite big for phil mixon still didn't bet it you know i decided to take sam paul's field. what's the point of that <laughs> he was there for um, a little yeah he was there for a one round and got really excited when he was 900 or one um and then I, and his arm did legitimately fall off so you know <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's romantic it's great um it's i don't know if that's going to get beaten in all seriousness i don't think tiger's going to be playing majors at 50 so I don't know if he's probably going to allow him to. Um, one thing I'll ask you before we move on, does that lock it up for the Ryder Cup team? It's tough. I mean, there's so many wild cards that are right in the mix. I mean, I think it would be fun. You have another Pete Dye track, you know, but if it's between him and Zal Torres for the the last spot, like <laughs> I have a tough time picking Phil over that. In, in my opinion of just a better quality golfer, but he's a magician. He's great in, you know, match play settings. He puts up a lot of birdies like he did and that scoring, you know, does 
potentially have a, a positive impact in, you know, a best ball situation. So yeah, you, it's almost, if, if I would hope he continues the play, I'm excited for him at Tory because then it kind of forces Stricker's hand, you know, and you'd like him to not have to leave Phil off if he's still playing that well compared to make the decision. So, yeah, I mean, to your point though, it's it, he did show flashes like I, I bet him at Wells Fargo and I was like okay here we go you know first yeah. round leader you know seven under like it's it's in the pipe that I was like oh maybe he doesn't have 72 holes in him anymore you know I mean he should be teeing it up at the senior PGA championships <laughs> you know this week it's just it's just crazy him and Alex Checa could have had quite the battle um yeah, been right down the stretch. <laughs> yeah. but but no just a, a really cool scene um from a European tour side who was the most impressive to you uh over the week yeah, I mean, it, there wasn't as much to shout about in, as, as we'd hoped was there in terms of the, of the regulars. I mean, a couple of guys that we mentioned showed flashes. Fam Hawthorne showed flashes. Um, in the end, you've got to look at Shane Lowry and Quadra Carrington and what they did in the final round. Um, in terms of regulars, I don't think there was as many there as, as you kind of hoped. What we did see is, is the American guys that do play the Open well, and that was kind of what we, we talked about. Yeah, I mean, if you, like we said before too, if you cheated the system you know you could have talked about brooks kepka for instance since yeah. he he cut his teeth on the european tour but um you know with charo fizzling out that pick was you know my main fancy the one who i am incredibly interested at tory who honestly if he brought a putter last week this is wild to me he could have pushed phil do you know who was third in tita green last week it, it, it might take you 150 guesses martin led Oh, he had a good approach week, but Daniel Van Tonder was third in yeah, well, they, they said about how well he was playing in flashes, weren't they? And his, his wife was on the back, and yeah, it'd be, it would be interesting to see. It, but there you go, it's a glaring weakness in his game, isn't it? Yeah, but he is, I mean, yeah, third in Tita Green finishes like 45th because he couldn't putt, but it went Phil, Brooks, and then DVT. And when he plays in Europe, he bombs it. Like he wasn't mm. that long last week, which is interesting, but like he averages like two strokes per round on the European tour and off the tee. So he should be able to, I think, get into the U S open. I don't know. I guess it's going to be tight. Um, he's supposed to tee it up next week. So I'm sure I'll bet him next week, but, yeah. um, yeah, cause he's up to 79th. So I don't know if he'll get into Tory, but if he does keep your eye out. Yeah, I think, you know, it's an important thing to point out. I think that it's so hard because it's going to be such a different test, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think that there, yeah. was, there was the open conditions in this, you know, look at the leaderboard and you just see, you know, even as like Keegan Bradley, we talked about him because he's played well in open championship. Justin Rhodes was up there. Tony Finau was up there, even despite the fact he was never there. Top 10 Tony strikes again. Um, I love Tony Finau. And even when he looks like he's not going to do anything, he does something. But, you know, it was a great week. Uh, it was really nice. I think a lot of people were calling out for it to be a regular course. I think that takes away the the beauty of it. Yeah. I think it's great when it just comes up once every 10 years. It's, it's perfect. Um, yeah, not much else to say on the PGA Championship. Agreed. So let's let's get into this week on the European Tour. And before we do, um, you can always find our European Tour Picks and Bets show on all podcast platforms. You can search for Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. Now, if you notice, if you have an iPhone or you're an Apple uh, user, podcasts haven't been loading in the new ones as easily. So I'd recommend right now Spotify working perfectly fine for all Mayo Media Network content. So if you download Spotify, 
fire it right up while Apple uh, kind of gets its glitches out of the way. Best way to find that podcast right now for this, if you prefer the audio format. But let's get right into it. We're in the Made in Himmerland recently, or before named the Made in Denmark. Um, Himmerland is the course they will be playing at. Um, it's going to be playing just under 6,800 yards, par 71. Conditions look wet and windy. It is going to be an ugly week there. Potentially scores maybe not be getting as low as what we've seen in the past. Winners here at the course uh, were 2019, Bern Wiesberger, minus 14. He ripped my heart out here, too, because Bob McIntyre decided to go OB late on the back nine, lose by one at 125 to one. Early Bob could have got a win. And then next thing you know, you know, he might have been six to one this week if he had a pass victory at the course. And then Julian Surrey won in 2017 at 19 under. Tom, what are your thoughts on the course this week? Well, the first things first is that you could take the five off of Bob McIntyre's price now and have him at 12 to one, which just fries my brain. I mean, I like Bob McIntyre. You like Bob McIntyre. We talked about him last week. The trouble is, is that everybody talks about him. If you, if you listen to him over here, he's the best left-handed player in the world ever, ever to play the game. You know, forget Phil Mickelson, he didn't just win. Um, you know, he's a lock for the Ryder Cup, he's locked to win a major. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And I said, you know, he, he played okay last week. If he'd have finished top 10, what price would he have been this week? He could have been, he could have been, I mean, he probably wouldn't have been here, but he could have yeah. been like six to eight to one. Um, like you said, if he'd have won this when he should have done, um, six or eight to one, it's... it's it's crazy to me that there's such a big gap. And the court itself, I mean, it's kind of got that sort of linksy, exposed uh, side to it. There is a lot of Scottish Open repetition there with Bert Wiesberger, a guy that I'm going to come on to in a minute as well, has played well here. Um, you know, there's a lot of that kind of there, but it's just short, right? You know, it's accuracy over over length. Uh, I think putting's going to be a huge factor, uh, which puts the heebie-jeebies on me and, and a couple of those guys that's off the market. Um, but yeah, that's why I'm starting my card up at 41 and 45 to 1. Yeah, that's the the little bit of fear that I have of the only time we have strokes gain statistics when this course was played is it was all putting base at the top. Literally, I mean, approach play over off the tee, but if you didn't putt, you had no chance to contend, basically. Um, so a lot of these guys, to your point, I mean, McIntyre's up and down with the putter. I mean, if you keep going, Burn, Burn's a quality putter at times. Matthias Schwab at 25 to 1. You know, at some point, these prices get too low for guys that haven't broke through with these European Tour wins. Um, next up, you have Beef at 28, who, you know, has had a better stretch of, of he has probably had it in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, Hoygaard. Eddie Pepperell and then the Thunder Bear, Thurburn Olsen, all can be fine in the 28s to 33s. But I'm with you as well, waiting a little bit deeper to start my card. So, Tom, who's your first selection for the week? Yeah, so for me, it's Aaron Rye. Um, and I think he's a player that's kind of not been forgotten about because I think he gets talked about plenty enough because he's this young talent. Um, but for me, people overlook the fact he's had a bit of a bad stretch now. And it's because he's playing courses that are just not suited to him. He's a, he's a very limited golfer. And I might say that the greatest respect in the world. He's an excellent player. He gets gets the job done when he's in the hunt. Beat Tommy Fleet with a playoff at the Scottish Open, which is a course that kind of correlates to this, the Renaissance Club. Um, but there's just you could, he can circle five or six events a year, and he has to really put his all in that because they're, they're the only places he's going to win. Uh, and that, and that's the you know if he does it once a year or once every two or three years, he's going to end up having a, an incredible career. Uh, 10th and 18th here in the past 
and that was enough for me to really to kind of lock into him. I think that was 40 to 1 uh, for the bigger places of 45 to 1. You know, he was in the top 10 over the weekend uh, on his debut. Um, and he really bounced back after a terrible opening round in 2019. He was a 74, he was ranked 123rd and then finished 18 uh, for 67 on the final day. So I think it's a great course for him. If it gets really tough, as you've alluded to, it could be wet and, and tough. That is going to be great for Aaron Rye. Yeah, that's the thing. When I think of Aaron Rye, it's it's fairway greens. You hope to put it well. You know, double gloves. You know, conditions were up at the Scottish Open. He won that week out of the bad wave to beat those guys. It was a truly impressive performance at the Scottish Open. To your point, it hasn't been what you thought. I, I was very surprised he didn't play the British Masters. He was in a Clutch yeah. Pro Tour event not that long ago, a, a mini tour. Um, and it's in the UK, right? The Clutch yeah. Pro. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, he played that tune up thinking he played the British Masters, but, you know, went over the PGA. Um, he was decent um, in the WGC as well, what they played here uh, in my backyard. Bradenton will reference that a little bit later, um, too. But I'm going to go with another golfer in that same price range, one who you referenced or thought potentially you'd be joining me on, Jason Scribner Island. You know, yeah. Scriv is just an interesting golfer. He he goes, rips off multiple miscuts in a row, finds himself finishing sixth, withdrew, and then starts the year off with a second and just hadn't really hit his stride because uh, we didn't see him for 11 weeks. You know, we didn't see him until the British Masters after he did play in the WGC with Aaron Rye, finished T41 there. You know, nothing too special, but again, some of the best competition in the world shows up at the British masters out of nowhere and opens with a 79, not too pretty comes back 71 day two, and at the PGA championship ends up being low Australian of the week. T 23, pretty solid off the T tremendous on the greens. I would argue and say at the top of the guys that are priced 50 to lower Scribner may be the best putter of the bunch um, on a long-term kind of if you stretch out the data. He's right there with the best in the field when it comes to on the greens, if the wind gets up, you know, the Aussies play well in the wind. If it gets a little wet, it's a little bit different conditions potentially than what it would be, but you know, his wins or his best performances have come at the tracks that you potentially would think he would, you know, be in the mix. So for me, Scrivener made a lot of sense at 45 to one to start. My only, my only concern and then why I went off him because everything you say is great. He should have had a really, really tough slog and it was a really impressive result for him. And I don't know if that's kind of like, right, I've got to just, whether he can just wipe it clean, he's done what he's done, there's a great week, positive week, and come back here, or whether he's going to be just completely taken out of it. And, and you know, he's priced better than the guys that we're talking about. He's talking about Bob McIntyre, and he's 12 to 1. You've got to really consider that. 45 to 1, if you think he's going to get it done, you take him. Um, the passing is a key point, because you look at guys that have been playing well, and I'm going to mention a couple uh, in a moment, but Chris Paisley and Paul Dunn are two people that have played incredibly well here uh, in, in limited starts. Um, and they're both just passing machines. That's just what they are. Uh, they both hit the ball, they're both sort of time, same guy off the tee, but they just put everything inside. And that's kind of probably the same as Jason Freeman. Yep. And, and and you're exactly right. I think they're, the, the number was just more than anticipated. He was down in, into 28s at open on some of the books over here in the States. So to, to grab the 40s, 45s, I feel comfortable with that. And of course, you know, you, you finish on a Sunday night, you're already a day behind in Europe. 
You know, you have yeah. to fly all the way over to Denmark, tee it up. You know, um, he has a miscut, I believe, is his only or no, I think he actually has no 25th and 25th, then a miscut yeah. and a yeah. 14th in his three times he has played here. So decent experience. Um, so that's kind of the value. But then we got another one glaring at us at 45 to one, Tom. I cannot believe they're giving us a decent number with Guido. If the course is going to be difficult, conditions get up. Guido loves a low, like a, a difficult, not a, a double digit 20, 25 under. We're not about that. We're like eight or nine under, you know, yeah, maybe make it tough. Yeah. If Richard, Richard Bland Bland wants to there. put it to 13 under, okay, maybe we're pushing it. But man, Guido is, is just on the cusp of getting to Tory, the U.S. Open. I can feel it. I can see myself booking the flight for his 1141 tea time out in San Diego. And I decide the night before to hop on that red eye because this kid is going to the U.S. Open, Tom. We need another big performance out of these next two weeks. And it's going to come through with a win here. 45 to 1, Guido Migliazzi, lock it up. It petrifies me to think who would beat him. Say he got through 54 holes and he was right out there at the US Open. Who is the guy that you really could count on? I mean, the US Open would just scare me. Mickelson, do it again. Do it sink. Rich Beam. Can they put Rich, Rich Beam in the US Open? <laughs> you know, he'll cover Sky Sports in the morning and then tee off in the, the last, you know, pairing with Guido with the two stroke. get those lead. dodgy European tour interviews where it's like Tim Barter. He just talked to him in the final stretch in a yep. major and just ruined Absolutely. his life. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, but no, I honestly, this and the next guy we'll talk about from the numbers that they laid for them, I, I could have seen them, you know, been 33s. They put Guido in the 20s not all that long ago, you know, now he comes off of a second place, a heartbreak, and you give me 45 every day of the week. So uh, we'll go yeah, on. The, the thing with Guido is I think that what people that have watched this show will, will think is that if he was 10 to 1 this week, you would bet him because the numbers make sense. And I, and it's close. And I think <laughs> you probably would. So I have to be the voice of reason on Guido Migliotti. He's got a great chance. He's got, absolutely. He's, everything you say is, is superb. You know, he hits the ball incredibly well. And I think that that incentive of the US Open is massive. Like, I think the fact that he's got to get this little three tournament window, it's not, you know, it's not just because he's come second there, he's going to get it. He has to still cling on to it. Um, that's going to be a major aspiration for him um, is to advance his career. Um, I just like another Italian this week. That's all. And it, it does come with, you know, the two times he's placed. If you've bet Guido every, every week this year, you've made money. He's placed twice at the biggest numbers of which he's been offered. You know, that week he, he Rosner, you know, hit the 60 footer. I think Guido was pushing triple digits and then he's 80 to one last week. You know, you're, you're living with, with profits right now on Guido. So, you know, I think he's baiting everybody with getting these numbers a little bit deeper, likes to hammer himself. This is a great week to get on it, but talk about the other Italian you're intrigued on. Eduardo Molinari. And you backed him at the British Masters. So painful, much. painful experience watching him putt on the greens, uh, which is going to be completely counterintuitive to what we just said about the golf course here. But, He's being priced, and I just said this on, on, on the Lost Wars podcast as well, he's being priced like he literally cannot win. It looks like they've priced him based on the fact that he's going to finish his round on Sunday and be literally buried in the ground because he's so old. He's 40 years of age. Like, we've just watched a 50-year-old win a major championship. I know it's Phil Mickelson, it's slightly different, but we actually saw Richard Bland win two weeks ago in the same event he nearly won. 
at 48 years of age. Eduardo Molinari is a guy that won three times. He's been to a Ryder Cup because he clutched up and won two events in a row, uh, made three birdies on the spin to win that second event. Both in Scotland to get into, you know, those wins there, which we talk about alluding to this made in Denmark form. Uh, he'd led here after round one um, back in 2017, I think he was. Um, and look, he's just been in great form with a ball strike. And we talk about numbers with Guido, it, it, it's absolutely incredible. Um, in the last eight weeks, he's fourth in strokes game approach and third seed green for me. Uh, 28th, 11th, and third is last three starts in strokes game approach. If he had, you know, I, I joke about it all the time, if his caddy putt for him, he'd probably win. Um, Jason's just said if John Catlin was playing in this event or in a, or a Colonial, he'd win both. Um, I said if John Catlin can just come in and just putt for him, he'll win the event. So there, there's a couple of scenarios there that helps Molinari help. I think he's a guy, he's incredibly smart. He's, he's got his own data like, team, hasn't he? Website, he's very close to Mark Brody. Um, and I think sometimes that got in his head over the last few years, but now it's now it's paying off, it's rewarding him, his game's there. And the competitive spirit in him is what makes him so frustrated, but it's also what I think is going to get him to get a victory this year. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he has trended from tee to green in approach for literally five events in a row now, some of them, you know, we went miscut, miscut, and then he started to break through. It's gaining on itself week in and week out. And this is a better field you know, than what some of these events were the better than the, the Canary Islands events. Um, you know, but however, we are still not like, not what next week's going to bring us, you know? So I, I'm not really sure why the books hung a 90, you know, a hundred in, in some eighties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it just felt that they, I honestly anticipated a 50, you know, that's kind of what my thoughts were just because, the underlying stats are are right there. So, and I just imagine he's buried himself in the putting green for two weeks now, ready to roll, keep the same game going. Yeah, I was all in on Dodo Molinari um, to come up with it. I have another selection there in the 80 to one range. Um, at this point, you know, there, I do love these um, almost like home country opens. You know, you love to play kind of the home narrative. You have a lot of Denmark golfers teeing it up. Um, one who we've had and seen with similar ball striking numbers, not as much consistent, but big flashes over the last four weeks for Nikolai Hoygaard, you know, the brother of Rasmus, the triple odds of, of Rasmus, who, you know, does have two European tour wins to his name, but, you know, Nikolai has, you know, two top four or top seven finishes in the last month. Um, you know, did miss the cut here in the European tour uh, version of this in 19. But in my opinion, man, this kid can play. He, he's more off the tee and, you know, probably than anything. And does that scare you when, you know, this course maybe negates it a little bit? Absolutely. But I think the opportunity for somebody like him on this stage in front of the home country, I'm going to miss his fans the week, this week. This normally was a course that had rowdy fans, great attendance, that beer tent um, where you'd walk through players would be given high fives, dancing into the short little par three. This was a really fun event for that. So we'll miss um, all the fans, but I think it's a huge opportunity for Nikolai Hoygaard to break through with his first victory. So I think we said a couple of shows ago, we put up Nikolai Hoygaard again, didn't we? And, and we said, I don't think there's much between the two players. I think when you look at the odds, they're pricing Rasmus Hoygaard as if the two events that he's won were in the last five weeks. You know, they, they weren't. They were, they you know, a year ago, 
yeah. is is an eternity ago in golf. You know, last year it was being said that Phil Mickelson would never win an event ever again. Like, yeah. and he might not even might even consider. You know, and he's just one of. I know I keep going back to Phil, and they're not the same people, but golf is so. Well, it, it's just so fickle. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the last five starts for Rasmus Hogard, finished ninth for the PGA Championship last week, understandable. Two missed cuts, and the twelfth was his best finish over the last six. Well, when he finished twelfth, and that was his best effort, Nikolai finished seventh. So, yeah. I don't like you said. I don't think there's much talent wise in them. I think that Hoy, uh, Rasmus took a. I don't want to say he took advantage of a very good opportunity. He just got hot at the right time, and and it and it worked out well for him. And I think Nikolai can absolutely do that. I think. We're going to see guys that he's more talented than guys that won a European tour before. And yep. he does talented as his brother, we think, and he's 100 to 1. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. The one that I probably my last cut on the card was another golfer right in this range, a young stud who does have a win in the wind. Uh, Min Woo Lee. I think Min Woo Lee was close for me. I don't know if you didn't drink DraftKings. I think Min Woo kind of makes some sense over there. Um, but who's next for you on your betting card? It's interesting. The person I thought you were going to say that was cut off my card was Romain Langasque. Similar yeah, profile. He finished, He'd won the World yeah. Open, third here back in 2019, third at the Scottish Open 2019. Kind of similar sort of thing as, as with Min, Min Woo Lee. So both guys, I think, have got uh, things there. But Hundred to one for me uh, this week. Julian Suri. I've brought him up a couple of times on the show. Um, we talk about the fact that if he can keep the ball in bounds, that he'll contend. Um, last couple, he's been top twenty-five, top thirty thereabouts. Um, hitting the ball well, uh, you know his irons. See, you know it's, it's just off that tee, and it's a bit more spacious here. One start, one win here. Uh, absolutely incredible over the weekend to beat David Horsey. Um, he's just had a break. You know, he's had one week off after you know sort of a rough spell of five weeks or whatever on, on tour. Um, you know, he travels over from America, so it's a bit of travel there. I think just having that week off to re-energize, look at what he's done, take stock of the progress he makes. I think he's a very positive person. You go on his social media, his Instagram, I don't know if you believe any of it, but he's very, very bullish about his game. He's got two victories. I think he's a good bet. Yeah, no, I mean he led that field in strokes can approach. Um, two weeks ago. And then he came out hot fire. I was like, man, you know, and it's tough, you know, on the European tour, I think I buy into smaller sample sizes than I do on the PGA tour, just because I think the hot, you know, spurts do carry over. Like, you know, if you, you really get into, you know, looking at the finer details, it's why I initially loved Guido because it was consistent hot bursts of those approach game. And could that carry over into something big if the other parts of the game click? Absolutely. And we know Surrey's got it um, as he's done it in the past. So I agree with you. We're reaching the part of the program that has kept me up a little bit today. Some pronunciations of these names. I'll help you, by the way. It's going to be horrific. It is just going to be absurd. I, I don't really know how to speak the native language at all. I watched YouTubes a couple times and, oh, no, I, I can't do it. So I'm going to do my, I'm going to try. Of course, I'm going to try. Well, I think I can try with this one. I can yes. do the next one, but I cannot. Okay. I mean, you're on your own next time. So I'll explain. And this is how it was. So basically, you know, there are two young Denmark golfers who, so there is the Nordic Golf League. The Nordic Golf League is primarily played in Denmark. It, it's the, there's this website's the Echo Tour. 
So if you go on, you can look into the Echo Tour. There's the race to Himmerlin standings is what they're trying to and fighting for spots in this tournament. Now, these golfers also have some challenge tour recent success. And if I bet one, I was like, man, you know what? I probably have to bet both of them because there was two that were very similar, similar price. And one who's exposed himself a little bit more on the European tour. And I'm going to try it. Nicholas Norgard Moeller. Is that, is that basically right? That's exactly what I would have said. So yeah, go for it. Okay. So, you know, his recent stretch of golf had a fourth place on the challenge tour two weeks ago, actually. And then a, a eighth and a 14th place right before that. And he started the year with a sixth at the, um, uh, Nordic golf league when he started that one. So he's available hundreds he's i've seen him as low as 80s um if you look kind of his best um you know official world golf rankings you know performances he's had a win on the nordic golf league twice those challenge tour finishes recently were were very big for him um he had a a 20th um when they did the open a portugal the one i believe that was the higo one on the on the european tour so he's got a little bit more pedigree compared to the next golfer but i actually think the form almost could be, you know, similar, if not better. Um, oh man, Marcus Halinkity. <laughs> that was so bad. I, I, I don't know. I tried to watch. It's like Halinkidil. Maybe that's a little, that's a little bit better. H E L L I G K I L D E. Marcus is the first name. It would be really grunty and it would sound very cigarette-y. And, yeah. And because I've been to Denmark and they still smoke in pubs and it, you get choked out. be electricity or something like that. It'd be something really horrible. Yeah. Um, no, like it was like one. a – yeah, it was – I mean, I, I'm nowhere near – I tried watching the YouTube, but they interviewed him. And I thought, oh, maybe this is it. Not a – no chance. <laughs> However, if you look at what he's done, he just finished second on the Challenge Tour two weeks ago, had a win in the Nordic Golf League, leads the race to Himmerlin standings right now. Again, these are like, you know, kind of going out on a whim. And you know me. Like, these are the guys that you probably expect me to bet every single week. And I'm not going to let you guys down. Of course I'm going to bet them. So, you know, you're playing for the places realistically when you're betting at these guys. And what they do have is more course experience than I would say a lot of these guys do. So when golf really got going, they kicked it off with an Echo Tour tournament. I don't believe it was an official world golf ranking sanctioned event, but all these best Denmark golfers in the world decided to play an event at this course. And our man, Marcus H, won the event. He teed up with Rasmus in the final group, beat him down on that Sunday pretty good at a 54 hole event winner. And again, Thurman Olsen, Nikolai Hoygaard, you know, all of these top guys were in the event. He won it there. And then when they've played it on the Nordic golf league too, he has two other top five finishes here. If you look at, um, let's see, Moeller's finishes. Moeller has a second in that same event. I believe it was, he was right there in the mix with Marcus. And then he also has a first when he won at the Nordic golf, uh, league at this same course. So again, Himmerland is something it's, it's more than one of the popular Denmark courses, it seems, but you know, getting the course experience, I think does come to play. The conditions are up potentially it favors them a little bit more. I think both plan for places, but of course on the outright. Uh, and I, I just think it's intriguing when that angle all comes into play. I think 
if they hadn't played anywhere else but the Nordic Golf League, I'd be like, look, you're getting too caught up in the course form. But but Moller particularly is, you know, he's been playing on the Challenge Tour. He's played over in in uh, South Africa on the Sunshine Tour, which you know is a good breeding ground for golfers. We're talking about Gary Kigo, we're talking about Cozier, we're talking about Schwartz and people like that. You know, being good on the Sunshine Tour isn't far away from you know Wilco Nine but these guys are kind of that's where they get their going, you know, and, and it's a very successful tour. So he's playing well on there. Chances are he's going to play well on the European tour. You factor in course form as well. Playing at home, he's the only guy that's not going to have had to travel. You know, or the only handful of guys that haven't had to travel. Um, and and don't even, you can't even really um, overlook travel, just even from like England's Denmark is not a difficult flight. But in COVID, and the, and the delays in the airports, in the, the uncomfortable scenarios, not being able to go out, everything has got to be factored in a bit more. Yep. Uh, so guys that are just at home uh, are going to have that. Absolutely. Is there anybody, I got one more that's a bomb. Um, is there anybody else that you have on your card or so intrigued at in these ranges? I've got a couple I'm intrigued at at this price, and then I've got one big bomb that I'm really happy with. So I mentioned Chris Paisley earlier. Um, 34th, 3rd, and 4th uh, in three starts here. Um, you know, 34th is the worst he's ever finished at the end of a round. Uh, he was 34th over both the weekend. So he, he plays incredibly well here. He's a golfer that play, he repeats course form an awful lot. Um, he, he turns up at the same places. It's a passing event. If it gets a bit wet and windy, he, his problem at the moment is he's not playing great off the tee, which is he can't afford to do that because he's not the longest hitter. Um, but his short game is going to be right there. So if he gets in the hunt, gets familiar with the course again, great, great times for him. Um, Soren Kjeldsen, we talk about experience, we talk, you know, if you want to force a seven-year-old guy to ruin your dreams, it's going to be Soren Kjeldsen this week, um, because he's, you know, he's, he's from Denmark, but he's had an eighth place finish here uh, a few years ago, and he's, he's probably, I did a sort of um, an improving strokes gain approach chart earlier, just guys, and he, and he stuck out to me, he's 41st, 14th and 16th in his last three starts, 20th at the British Masters, Played incredibly well. Um, you know, he can still hang just about. Um, Thomas Bjorn probably can't, but he's a thousand to one. So there we go. Um, stranger things that happened last week. Um, so yeah, I think that they're worth mentioning. And then my guy, uh, my my last pick, def- definitive pick, is uh, up at 215, 301. Yeah, I'll uh, let's let's have you go first. Mine's a little bit deeper. Yeah, I mean you've got you've got the real bombs in this week, haven't you? So Paul Dunn for me. Um, he's a guy that fell off the cliff, right? And, and and he completely disappeared from the game of golf. He was talked about rightly or wrongly, I think possibly wrongly. Uh, I think he was over a lot uh, about a future Ryder Cup player. It's kind of a bit like Robert McIntyre, but I think McIntyre does have a bit more substance to him. But it was the same thing. Paul Dunn's incredible. He's won this British Masters. What's he going to do next type thing? But here, he has never been worse than 22nd after a round of golf at this golf course. He was 22nd after round one on his debut. He went 22nd, 12th, 6th, 10th. He then came here in 2017, 17th after round one, second after round two, 13th, 14th. And in 2019, he was 12th in round one, 7th, 8th, and 4th. I mean, that's just incredible. You know, he's, and he showed flashes. You know, he was T19 um, after two rounds at the British Masters. Um, he got 65 and 66 at the Grand Canary Open. Um, his, the fact that his form is down to recovering from injury as opposed to just completely lost at the game 
Similar to Suri, I was talking about Suri at the start of the year and, and he's kind of getting back in set. Maybe it takes Bun a little bit longer, but on a course where he clearly absolutely loves 250 and 300 is fine, I'll take the chances. And and when Dunn has played here in the past, he's been significantly lower odds in not great form. You know, mm. it's not, I mean, it's better form than what we've seen, but yeah, to, to get, you know, five or, you know, 150, 200 more points, you know, mm. on that outright, absolutely. Um, that's more of an educated, I think, guess um, at the outright markets compared to where I am going here with Trevor Simsby at 500 to one. So it's it's kind of is a this, weird. Is this just to trump me? Because I, I feel like you'll yeah. never let me have the biggest pick of the week. Yeah, I dare you to pick one at 750 because yeah. I probably got a one at 1,000 I can pull. I'll just take someone's beyond. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Pedro Figueredo, he's been the one yeah. too. That's been uh, interesting. <laughs> but um, so uh, Trevor Simsby has played twice since the start of 2020. Okay. He won on the Asian tour. First event, I believe. Let's see here. So it would have been um enough to qualify for the next event that we talk about so it would have been let's see week 10 of 2020 on the bandar malaysia open he won that event in a playoff uh over andrew dot and jaron todd you know nothing extreme about the event you know wade ormsby teed it up some of the the better guys over in that type of event a decent one enough to have the points to get into the wgc workday championship finished T37 at the event, um, but was really intriguing to me. And again, it's potentially not the best course fit, but this doesn't come around at 500 to one on the European tour ever. Realistically at that WGC, Trevor Simsby led the field in strokes gained off the tee. Number one out of the best golfers in the world. He was top 10 in greens and regulation, top 10 in fairways for the week. Just didn't really have much of a short game to suit. But again, it's not like his game was all that much prior to, um, you know, this last two events that we have of him was decent on the Asian development tour, um, you know, had a little bit of run on the Asian tour, but two events that we've seen out of him and they've been arguably spectacular for the field and price that he's at. So to get someone with with the unknown that has that in the tank when he just went up against the best golfers in the world, I find that rather intriguing enough to just throw a couple shekels at 500 to one, you know, hundred to one of the places uh, I think is incredibly intriguing. I would kick myself. If I didn't put a little bit on that. So that, that tunes it up for me. I know we've, we've talked, um, you know, ran a little over what we normally do here. So I think that kind of puts a bow on it. Tom, can you review uh, your card for everybody again? Just before I do that, I don't want to make it any longer. You have said that he's played twice since 2020, and it's 2021, because otherwise people are going to be really worried you're picking a complete scrub that only plays once a year. Yeah, literally, no, one event, <laughs> the, the first week of 2020, one event in 2021. I'm not kidding you. Literally, two events. If you go to the OWGR page, it was 2020. Because of COVID and his status, he didn't have anywhere to play. Because the Asian tour, he couldn't go and play. See, I've, see, I've read it that he won in 2021. So he's not even run that recently. No, scary. no, this was March 8th, 2020. You're so, right. Ignore me, everybody. <laughs> so he's put himself into the WGC based on what he'd done a year prior. Because it was, you know, there wasn't really a restart and they, they took the points accumulation. So, yeah. um, yeah, he got that spot. I took advantage. You know, that's a, cra- that's a crazy stat. First and off the tee. Gains approach top 10 in, in greens and fairways there with the Morikawas of the world that week 
you know, it's it's intriguing. I'm going to take it all the back. I was just literally sitting there thinking he's got it wrong. What is he talking about? But he's but it is two starts since the start of 2020, and they were almost a year apart. Um, wow, 500 to one. All right, let's hear your card. Yep. So I've got a uh, Aaron Rye at uh, 45 to one. Eduardo Molinari, Julian Suri, a hundred to one. Uh, Chris Paley and Soren Kjell. I'm not sure. I think they could be interesting uh, pivot plays on on DraftKings, um, and definitely you know outrights if, if you want to go that way. And then I've gone for Paul Dunn, who I think is absolutely superb bet at 215-300. Love it. I'm with Guido, of course, at 45. Scribner right there with him at 45s. Eduardo Molinari with you, Tom. I think that might be my favorite bet of the week at 100 to 1. Yeah. Nikolai Hoygaard at 100. Nicholas Norgard Moller at 100. Marcus H. Halikidi, 175 to 1. Trevor Simsby, 500 to 1. That puts a bow on us for the Made in Denmark, uh, or Made in Himmerland, excuse me. Tom, where can they find you? They can find the Lost for Words podcast and Tom Jacobs93 over on Twitter. Yep, and you can find me at Skyhook DFS. Best of luck this week, everybody.